Studio Ervo and Bonfire Press present Essence House by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino. Read by Michael Goodrick. Chapter 20. Shades of Yesterday. Hopes of Tomorrow. Celeste stood back a couple rows behind Tim at the cemetery and stepped to his side as he made his way out of the crowd. The pair began across the lawn, back toward the tree line where Tristan and Jessica were waiting. Get us back to Barnabas, Tristan. We need to regroup, Tim stated in an authoritative tone. Tristan slammed the walking stick into the grass, and Jessica's hair lifted as a wind rushed around the group. The four of them took hold, and the scene around them began altering. As the whirlwind movement around the guard came to a stop, Tim wondered how much more of this he could take. But he knew he had at least one more trip through the essence in his immediate future. A pile of papers on the corner of Barnabas's desk began to lift into the air, a few spinning above the team as they reappeared in the very place they'd departed from. Well, that was quick, Barnabas said with a half grin. Speak for yourself, old friend. Tim looked at the clock behind Barnabas's desk. It's been a little more than the mere three minutes that passed here since we left you. Tim smiled back. So, do we have a clear idea of what we need to do? Barnabas asked. That's something we'd all like to know, Tristan chimed in, taking a seat. We're heading to the Musée, Tim responded. Celeste stepped forward. Are you sure you want to go back there? We just barely escaped last time, and you went through hell to escape there just as recently. Tim chuckled. You've got a pretty warped idea of the word recently. That was 76 years ago. He's got you there, joked Jessica. Then her face grew serious. Tim, they have an army. We took on professional killers when they came for us at Essence Corners. We can only assume there are more of them at the Musée. Tristan barely made it out alive last time, and you lost your uncle. Are you sure about this? I can't be 100% sure of anything, but I am sure that we can't allow Hans to have access to the Essence any longer. He has always used it irresponsibly, and it's more out of hand now than ever. You remember Rick before we lost him. He was the direct result of time manipulation and paradoxical waste creation. He was more waste than man. And he had actual good intentions, just really poor communication skills. Well, Rick's power was nothing compared to the waste Hans has become. And he's doing more damage and growing by the minute. We have to act, and we have to act now. He's right, I'm afraid. We have to do this, Barnabas interrupted. I've been through hell for my family and my country. I take great pride in the sacrifices I've made for both. This family and the guard have made more sacrifices than they even know, and for something much bigger than family or territory. You've all been through hell in a very short time, for your family and for your friends, and, as it turns out, for a global cause. Stop and consider all you've done. Each one of you is remarkable. Feel that pride and consider for a moment the ramifications if we don't act. Tim is right. We have to do this. We have to get that cornerstone back. We may not have an army, but we are the essence guard and we have a purpose. Tristan stood up. Whatever, I'm in. I guess it was my meddling that uncovered all of this. I may as well see it through. 
Tristan felt discomfort in his leg and slid down into his seat and leaned back. You know I'm all in, said Celeste without hesitation. I'm guessing somebody that can handle a gun would be helpful, Jessica smiled. You're not the only one that can handle a gun, my dear, smiled Barnabas. He pulled a pistol from a holster inside his jacket. I've wondered about this gun since the day I first stepped foot in Roland's study. I never considered that I'd start carrying it as protection someday, but here we are. Barnabas slid the gun back into his pocket, still pretty unaware of the journey that gun had taken to be with him today. From a Swiss goon, to an eternity in the wine cellar, to a cell in a remote castle in Switzerland with Tim, back to New York with Roland, where it was placed on display in his study. That gun had as much experience with the essence as any of the team. Tim walked over and placed a hand on Barnabas's shoulder. You probably saved Tristan and Jessica's lives that last time we went into battle. I'd be honored to have you with our guard. But please know that you've served your time and have no obligations here. I've never done anything with the guard out of obligation, Timothy. There's no pride in obligation. I do what I do out of duty, and I really don't have anything else on my itinerary, he smiled. This is going to get ugly, guys. We have an awful task ahead of us. In the past, it's been about getting the cornerstone and keeping it safe. We can't end there this time. We have to end Hans. This really is war. I've been thinking about this since I've been back, and honestly, it's not something I have a solid plan for. My thoughts are pretty simple. Celeste and I do whatever we can to draw Hans out. Jessica and Barnabas situate themselves where they can get a shot on him. And Tristan, you be ready to guard that staff with your life. Tristan nodded. You've got it, boss. Are we ready to go? Time's a-wasting. As Tristan tapped the stick to the ground, a slow wind whirled around him. The rest of the guards stepped closer, and one by one, they piled their hands on top of the stone at the top of the stick. A violent howl roared around them, and the room faded to white. The last hand to touch the stick lifted as Tim fell back. He slammed to the ground. Well, not so much the ground. It was a void he was familiar with. Nothing in sight. The bright white of the void suddenly dimmed and turned stark black. Then, complete silence, and a wind brushed past his leg. Whispers raised from below into a snarl. He was not alone, and this feeling was familiar. The hospital! You were with me at the hospital! Show yourself! Tim demanded. The dark void remained silent for a few moments, and then, as vicious a snarl as he'd ever heard, rang throughout. Honestly, I'm tired of this shit. I'm not the same sick, confused, or even scared man you stalked before. I just want to set things right. I'm not afraid, Tim shouted. A wind swirled around him. It became difficult to remain still, and Tim spun around. A figure approached in the distance. You're heading to the Musée, boy? Did you really think it would be that easy? Hans Sorensen? What is this place? How are you doing this? Tim asked, confused. There's no name for it. It's nothing. It's a place for those lost to time. It's home for those of us that have become disconnected. Those of us that are no longer what was intended for us. You mean wastes? Tim said, stumbling backward as a lightheadedness overcame him. 
Such a negative term. Where'd you get that? Is that some essence guard lingo? I've always considered us just disconnected. Don't fear it, Tim. It gives us strength. I'm not a waste, Tim shouted. Do not put me in any category with you. I'm here to finish you. Tim regained his posture and made a fist. We could be more. You Edmonds and your resolve to do good. At some point, we all end up right here. And we all have this discussion. Rick was the same. Roland was not even worth speaking with. And your friend, the girl, she still doesn't even recognize what she is. I'd hoped to meet your father, but he was spared this existence. I can bring you in, Tim. I can show you how to harness the essence. You could even do some good with it. No good can come from letting you continue with this, Hans. Tim leapt at the figure and it vanished into a roar. Then I'll see you soon, kid, said the voice as the sounds of wind roared in Tim's ears. The void collapsed into a blur and Tim was once again with the guard surrounding the stick as a field of grass surrounded them. Tim collapsed to the ground. Jessica dropped to the ground alongside Tim and took his pulse. Your heart rate is elevated. How do you feel? Tim looked around and pulled himself up to his feet. I feel like getting this over with. Tristan, you know the drill. Tristan handed Tim the walking stick, and Tim ordered, Hang back and be ready if it drops. Celeste, let's go. Jessica and Barnabas looked at Tristan, and he shrugged. You've got it, boss. As Celeste and Tim walked across the field, Tim recalled the last time he was there. Not much had really changed. He recalled how Eileen had saved his grandfather's life that day, and how the damage to the cornerstone that followed allowed for the creation of the walking stick. It was all very cyclical, these loops in time. Eileen had described them as these echoes of cause and effect, resonating throughout time. The opening of a loop causing ill effects that would then be resolved upon closing. Tim's return from 1944 had closed a loop that had long haunted his family, and here he intended to close a much bigger series of loops surrounding the Sorensons. It felt like a heavy burden on him, what he wouldn't give to have an ally like Island with him again. But these very loops are the cause of the wastes and so much torment that you can't just put together an army of greatest hits. This wasn't a movie with a phone booth. That thought actually made Tim chuckle out loud. Is something funny, cuz? Celeste asked. Her face made it very apparent nothing was funny to her at the moment. Just thought about a time travel movie and it made me laugh. When you've been on these kinds of adventures, you tend to realize how ridiculous the DeLoreans and phone booths really are, Tim replied. Oh, don't I know it, she smiled. Tim raised a brow at his cousin. Suddenly, he stopped and grabbed her arm. There, across the field stood about 15 men. Well, that didn't take long, Celeste exclaimed. He knew we were coming. We've already spoken, Tim said, eyes glued to the figures across the field. The pair couldn't tell if the men were armed, but it stood to reason that was the case. Greta stood in the middle. That's all you've got, Tim shouted. As if on cue, another 10 men came around the corner and along the building wall. 
This isn't even all that I have, Mr. Edmund. So, what are we doing today? Are you here to discuss the treaty further? I've told you, I'm not interested, Greta called across the field. I'm not interested either, Greta. I'm here to stop Hans once and for all, and take the cornerstone back to the Essence House, where it belongs, Tim retorted. I'm bored of this game. My men are going to gather you, and I'll decide what to do with you later, she said. You mean your great-granddad will decide what to do with us, right? Where is Hans? He's in charge here now, right? We just bumped into him in 1972, where he was attempting an assassination at a family funeral, and I just had a chat with him out of time, where he asked me to join it. I'm sure you guys discussed that, though, right? Tim chided her. A voice boomed around the corner. Here I am, kid. What are you going to do? Hans stepped out and began to make his way across the field. With each step, Hans appeared to grow in size. As if Greta wasn't confused and frustrated enough, this was not something she'd signed up for. Surround them, Hans's voice growled. Let's finish this right here. Greta's head of security looked at her. Ma'am? Greta shouted. Stand down, men. And her troops stepped back, but remained silent. Hans turned swiftly to face her. His rage physically manifested in mass. What is this? Just then, a noise boomed over Hans's shoulder. He turned just in time to catch a glimpse of Tim materializing in midair, his outreached fist striking Hans across the face. Hans turned in anger and swung at Tim, who vanished before his blow could land. Suddenly, a flicker of light, and Tim appeared again, landing an uppercut to Hans's jaw causing him to stumble backward. Tim again gripped the walking stick and was gone before Hans could see what hit him. Hans brought up both arms and began to try to anticipate where he might be struck next, but Tim went low, assaulting him with a kick to the back of the knee. Celeste stood back. Tim asked her to distract Hans if something go awry so that Jessica or Barnabas might get a shot off. Tristan approached her from her left side. So this is going okay? he said in a low voice. For the moment, but stay ready. I may need you, she replied, eyes fixated on the battle ahead. As Hans rose from one knee, Tim landed another blow to his rear, throwing Hans to the ground on his chest. Hans roared and turned in time to see Tim materializing. Hans brought his monstrous legs up and slammed them into Tim with an explosive blow. The staff dropped beside Hans. Okay, now. Now what? Tristan asked as Celeste drew her dagger from its sheath and grabbed Tristan's arm. Tim flew through the air, eyes wide and fixated on Celeste as she moved. The scene froze around them. Tristan couldn't make heads or tails of what was happening. Whoa, Celeste, we never spoke about this, Tristan said. Celeste tugged at Tristan. We didn't need to. Grab that stick, then we grabbed Tim. The pair ran across the field. Tristan reached down and grabbed the staff, Hans's grotesque face frozen in anger beside them. When they were a few paces beyond, Celeste let go of Tristan and lined herself up to break Tim's fall. She loosened the dagger and braced for impact. Tim fell into his cousin's arms. Gotcha, cuz. Where the hell did you get that? Tim said, motioning toward the blade. We don't have time for that right now. She smiled, but her smile didn't last long as she heard bullets ringing out overhead. 
Hans turned toward Tristan. Give that to me! Bullets struck him as he made his way toward the walking stick and its bearer. The pistol shots from Jessica's handgun were annoying like mosquitoes to Hans, but they did have some effect. They slowed his approach. Tristan gripped the walking stick tightly and floundered backward across the grass behind him. Tim, you're pretty hurt. Stay here. I'm going in to help Tristan. Tim attempted to argue, but the bruises he received from Hans's attack kept him in place. Hans felt a hit to his back. He turned to see an old man unloading another pistol to his rear. Celeste ran a few paces and slid across the ground to Tristan. You okay? Tristan stopped and looked back to see Hans turning his attention to Barnabas. Can we do that dagger thing again? Celeste dropped her head. It's supposed to be used sparingly. None of this stuff should be used frivolously. Tristan pointed at Barnabas. Does that look frivolous? Can we do it? Hans turned back toward the cousins. Celeste grabbed Tristan's arm and again pulled the dagger out. Tristan gripped the stick and held it behind him as the two of them charged Hans. He brought the staff overhead, bringing it down on the forehead of Hans. Tim stayed still for a moment. Tristan and Celeste couldn't move either. Whispers began gathering around the scene. With a burst of energy, as none had ever witnessed before, Hans dropped to the ground, lifeless. Tristan and Celeste were thrown yards away, unconscious before they hit the ground. The ground rumbled where Hans had stood. A massive shadow entity remained, its form never completely whole. Greta rushed across the field to see what had become of her ancestor, shouting, Engage! Greta's men opened fire on the creature, but the attacks had no effect on it. On the other side of the field, Jessica put away her pistol and made her way to Tim. He laid there, barely conscious, and his breathing was heavily labored. Oh, Tim, we weren't ready for this. Greta knelt beside her great-grandfather with a look of disdain. This is your legacy. You got off easy. Burn in hell, Hans. She turned back to her men. Keep firing! We have to do something! As she turned back to look at the beast, Tristan's body began to rise into the smoke above them. The waist tethered itself to the man and appeared to be shrinking as Tristan was being lowered to the ground. Jessica watched in horror. She screamed as she made her way toward the beast. The beast swatted at Jessica, but its ghastly arm went right through her. Tristan! She screamed. The monster continued to attempt to attack Jessica, but it could not land a hit. Jessica just stood and shouted. Suddenly, the waist flung Tristan from his place just above the ground and slammed Jessica to the ground with Tristan's lifeless body. It floated up to the two and continued to attempt to bond with Tristan. Tristan lay there, unable to move. If he could reach out right now, the walking stick was within arm's reach. Help. If he knew how to use the dagger, he could grab it near his foot. This did not feel frivolous, but he couldn't do anything as he lay paralyzed, a darkness saturating his mind. Jessica laid there, attempting to move, but weighed down by Tristan. She'd moved many bodies in her time as a nurse, but this was different. She was certain this was over. She watched as a figure lifted the dagger from near Tristan. If the waste had the dagger and all of its power... What could even begin to stop it? 
Tristan felt nearly completely suffocated as the walking stick laying in front of him left his blurred vision. A sudden, horrific noise rang out across the grounds. The waste's momentum reversed and was leaving Tristan. Jessica threw Tristan off of her and backed up to see a man through the translucent monster. It was Barnabas behind the beast, with both the dagger and walking stick piercing its back. The creature howled, and wind began to whirl around the group. Jessica checked on Tristan to find him regaining control of his body. As the wind began to beat her back, she ran and grabbed Celeste. When the cousins were a seemingly safe distance from the action, she made her way up to help Barnabas. As she approached, the waste exploded with blinding light, throwing Barnabas across the field. Jessica rushed to help her dear old friend. Barnabas laid there, a bloody, coughing, physically broken man. Ignoring the excruciating pain in his legs with all of his being, Tristan approached the pair. Barnabas, you old fool! It was one thing to ride in with that car back at Sands Point, but this was too much. You don't have to be the hero. Barnabas looked up at his friend. He took a breath and a slow exhale. Tristan, my boy, it doesn't require a letter from an old friend for me to help the ones I love. He winced in pain, and his eyelids slowly dropped. As Jessica held him in her arms, Barnabas's body fell limp. Celeste attempted to stand a few paces away and stumbled a bit before gaining her footing. Tim laid where he was left by Celeste. His body hurt, but he was able to roll onto his side in an attempt to sit. Greta stepped into his view, standing over him. It's over, Greta. You've got the firepower right now, but even you have to know this is done, Tim grumbled. Timothy, it is over. You collect your family and never bother us again. Hans was garbage. I'm not going to let this happen again, but I'm also not going to let your family steal from mine again, she replied. The council won't stand for that, you know it. That's why Hans was looking to wipe them out. If we work together, maybe we can resolve this peacefully and keep the essence safe. Tim pleaded as Celeste approached and began to help him to his feet. This sounds an awful lot like how it was before, that doesn't sound like a resolution, Greta scoffed. Join the guard, Greta. There's probably nobody that knows more about all of this than you. You can add actual value to all of this as an ally. We've all done things we can't take back. Or should I say that we shouldn't take back? You're barely more guilty than any one of us. There can be a place for you and the Musée. Can I think about your offer? She half smiled. Tim half smiled back. As long as I'm leaving with the cornerstone, you can think on it as long as you need. Greta's head dropped. You know what? Take it. That damn thing has almost destroyed my family. Hans used that thing to build wealth, and without it, my family failed. It wasn't until I took over that we recovered. Everything my family has at this point was by my own doing. It has nothing to do with that stone. And the guard? Tim asked. I have some things to take care of, and then the Musée is at your service, Greta offered. That's big of you. 
Welcome aboard, Miss Sorensen, Tim said with his hand extended for a handshake. March 14, 2020 The door on the side of the tool shed flung open. Hey, you coming? Tim shouted. Tristan stood at the workbench. Yeah, I'm almost finished. Well, the ladies are getting impatient. Celeste has a plane to catch, and Jessica is ready to finish the job on those legs of yours. Tim chuckled. Okay, okay, I want it to be just right. Tristan pocketed everything he needed and handed Tim a hammer. As they exited the small shed, Tim thought about how much life had changed in a couple short months. Tim had a grandmother and a sister. For most of his life, that was his world. Now, Tim had a family. A genuine best friend and a cousin he hadn't seen since he was a child. And a real relationship with another cousin he'd only seen in passing a few times almost a decade ago. And Jessica? She was one strong, stubborn chick and there was hardly a better ally out there. As they crossed the field of grass, past the old hangar and approached a row of trees, he considered his uncle. What a tragic loss Rick was. He wished he could have another moment to tell him that he understood everything and he forgave him. Celeste and Jessica stood a little deeper in the forest ahead of them. Near their feet lay dirt that had recently been overturned. All right, ladies, I'm here, Tristan addressed the pair. Jessica took a few steps as he approached and slid her arm around Tristan's. So, does anybody have anything prepared? She raised her eyebrows. Celeste shrugged. I barely knew him, but he was always a very helpful friend of the family. Tim quickly seconded that. Barnabas was more than that. He was as much an Edmund as any of us that stand here today. Tristan took a step toward the tree. He looked across at the tree nearby that bore his father's name. I... I just want to say that I forgive you, Barnabas. I forgive you and I'm sorry. I hope you know that you were a friend to us all and what you did mattered. I hope you know that we won and it was thanks to you. Tim placed his hand on Tristan's shoulder. He knows, cousin. He knows. Tristan turned and embraced his cousin. When they were done, Tim handed Tristan the hammer. Tristan held a nail still with his left hand and swung the hammer. And a metal plaque hung above the burial plot that simply read, E.G.B. October 24th. 1972. A man stood in the study of Essence House for the first time in two weeks. He eyed the conspicuous pair of envelopes laying on the desk, one dated today and addressed to himself, and the other addressed to 18-year-old Andrew Edmund, both clearly addressed by different hands. He picked up his envelope and slid the ornate letter opener across the top, cleanly splitting the paper open. He pulled out the folded paper within, and read, Dearest Barnabas, First, I need you to know that your service to the Edmund family has been extraordinary and exemplary. You are as much family as any of the children that have found themselves in your care. There is a specific matter that I write to address, and it may seem trivial, but it is necessary, and it is time-sensitive. You will receive a phone call from Island Suarez on this day. We need you to deliver a message. A phone rang in the parlor. 
and the phone was answered by a child. Hello? Essence House. This is Rick. Um, sure. He's in Pop's office. Please hold. The handle of the phone dropped to the ground and Barnabas heard, Hey Barney, phone for you. That kid is a character, Barnabas thought, responding. Please let him know I'll be right with him. He turned back to the letter. Please let Mr. Suarez know that the Sorensen situation has been reconciled and everybody is safe. And a very sincere thank you to you, Barnabas. With love, E.G.T. Theme music by Carol Cockrell.